Interlude Mysteries by Inverarity Read by Sam Gabriel Foreword The following was posted on inverarity.livejournal.com on August 29, 2010, several months before the publication of Alexandra Quick and the Stars Above. As with Don't Like Peas, though the author wishes it to be made clear that this is merely an extra book vignette, it is included here for the sake of completeness. Inverarity wrote, I am hesitant to post this because I haven't done the usual multiple passes of editing and rewriting and proofreading, and of course it has not been baited. But I cannot see this making it into Alexandra Quick and the Stars Above. It's just a little excerpt that wouldn't leave me alone until I wrote it all down, and if I spent the time I usually do on polishing it, that's time not writing the main story or my other stuff. So consider this very rough and pseudo-canon. If I realize I wrote something here that later contradicts something else, I reserve the right to declare it apocryphal. Six old women walked through the woods, wearing long dresses and laced bonnets that somehow failed to attract any brambles, burrs, or thorns. Though they made their way slowly, old bones and old joints forcing them to pick their steps with care, the women were unimpeded by the fortress walls of virgin trees and thick tangles of undergrowth. Hunters roamed the surrounding mountains from spring until fall, but even the most determined of them almost never reached this deep into the Ozarks. In the middle of the primeval forest, the trees abruptly thinned, and there sat before the old woman an ancient, ramshackle cabin in a muddy, weed-choked clearing. "'Hain't much,' said one of the women, squinting. She was the only one of them who wore a pointed black witch's hat instead of a bonnet. "'Don't be a nuggin, Abigail!' said the oldest witch. She was stooped over, bent almost horizontally to the ground, leaning on a cane that was as gnarled and knotty as her fingers. But she had led the group here, and of the six of them she looked the least winded. "'Look at it like a witch, not a muggle!' She hawked and spat something brown and sticky into the foliage, inches from Abigail. "'No,' Abigail said after a moment. Well, "'Bless me! What in heaven's name do they need a muggle sorceling charm for? All this way out of the furthest holler hate no muggles hereabouts!' "'My grandson's worried about furners,' said one of the other witches. "'Don't make a lick of sense, but there you go!' Something moved through the trees between the witches and the decrepit shack and Abigail jumped. Merlin in the mouth, she exclaimed. Yo, Lord, Abigail, ain't you never seen a fish to before? The eldest witch made a disparaging sound deep in her throat and shook her head. Course I have, Abigail said. She eyed the creature as it stood still and watched the six witches unafraid. There ought to be more of them. We didn't come here to fret about festrels. Dorcas, fetch your great granddaughters. The eldest witch hawked and spat again. Abigail tried not to flinch. "'Take Abigail with you!' "'Yes, Bountiful!' One of the other witches, whose bonnet had a flower pattern on it, and whose dress was bright yellow and white, setting her apart from her dark and austerely dressed companions, walked forward. Abigail followed her. The Thestral casually moved away from them as they headed for the shack. "'Alone, Thestral's a bad omen,' Abigail muttered. "'You won't repeat such superstitious nonsense,' Dorcas said. Abigail's face scrunched up at Dorcas's chiding. She was the youngest of the grannies, barely sixty, so they all tended to treat her like a child. It rankled, but she held her tongue. As they walked toward the dilapidated old shack, they heard children's voices raised in song, the sound of chickens and pigs and goats, 
and then they were close enough that they didn't need to use their witch sight to see the true shape of the property. The house was actually quite large and not at all dilapidated, though it was old and patched together and seemed to sprawl across the uneven terrain of the clearing. Attached to it were pig pens and goat pens and a yard full of chickens, none of them fenced, though the animals never crossed the unseen boundaries of their respective areas, not even the winged goats. A little girl in a blue bonnet and blue-gray dress was chasing an even smaller boy. He was attempting to cover his ears with his hands as he ran from the girl, who chanted, See if there's the floor you have, and you won't never get to heaven. See if there's the floor thirteen, you'll go and make the fiddlers green. See if there's the floor one and twenty, you'll see death and trouble plenty. Connie! screamed the boy. Forbearance! Innocence! He ran right into his older sister, who had come around the house to investigate his screaming. He bounced off of her two steps backward, and fell to the ground with a thump as his bottom landed in the dirt. He removed his hands from the side of his head and looked up tearfully. Innocence, he wailed. I don't want to see a Thestral. Innocence rolled her bright blue eyes and shook her head. You can't see Thestrals. She stooped to lift her younger brother to his feet and looked over his shoulder at the little girl, who had stopped in her tracks and was now scuffing the toe of her shoe in the dirt looking around as if she had no idea how she'd come to be standing there. William, she stopped that awful song. Behind her, her two older sisters had also emerged. Forbearance looked worried. Constance looked cross. Is it true I'll die and be a maid if I see one? The little boy whispered. No, Innocent snapped. Her tone was so sharp, even Whimsy flinched. Constance and Forbearance looked at one another. Before they could say anything, Whimsy exclaimed, Great Granny! Everyone turned to see where the youngest girl was looking. Dorcas and Abigail were strolling casually into the yard in front of the Pritchard's homestead, and Dorcas's weathered face broke into a smile. Hello, my darlings. Whimsy ran over to her and embraced her, and Dorcas patted the girl's shoulder and then put an arm around her as she continued walking towards the other four children. The boy put his fingers in his mouth and clutched Innocence's hand with his other hand as he looked at the two old women shyly. Hello, Great Grandma Pritchard! Constance and Forbearance said together in a very respectful tone. A moment ago, while their faces and dresses were identical, their postures and expressions had been quite different indeed. Now suddenly they were twins again, in posture and tone of voice, and even in the way they both bobbed their heads and lowered their eyes in exactly the same way. "'It's been an age, ain't it?' said Dorcas. "'Or a year, at least.' She winked at the twins and then turned her attention to Innocence. She put a hand on the boy's hand, but it was Innocence whose face she was studying." And how are you, great-grandchild? Innocent smiled at her. I'm as fine as can be, great-granny. Ain't what I heard, child. Now don't you partial-tongue me. The girl dropped her eyes. I'm okay, great-granny, she said more softly. Okay? What sort of word is that? Is that how they teach you to talk at Chermbridge Academy? The old woman shook her head and clucked her tongue. Well, we'll talk a spell later. Be you sure of that? She patted Innocent's cheek. But I come to see my other fine, fancy schoolgirls today. She looked at the twins, whose faces both brightened with excitement. They had noticed the other old woman, who was standing quietly a few yards away, looking over the children in the yard and the houses with appraising eyes. Are the other grannies here? asked Constance. Have you come to take us into the woods? asked Forbearance in a hushed tone. They are, and I have. Dorcas's tone was solemn now. If your folks are amenable, that is. Hello, grandson. Constance and Forbearance spun about, 
Innocence stood up straight, and the little boy and girl did too as they realized that their father had appeared silently on the porch. He wore stiff breeches and a long-sleeved shirt despite the sweltering heat. His eyes were set in a weathered face that was trickling sweat beneath his wide-brimmed hat. His black-bearded jaw was working as if he were chewing on something, and his expression as he regarded his children and the two old women was hard to read. "'Grandma,' he said. "'Care to come in and sit a spell, you and Granny Morrison?' "'Thank you, grandson, but we got a fair piece to go yet today, "'and we ends will be pleased if it cost us that four parents could come along a spell.' "'The patriarch of the Pritchard family frowned. "'You mean for that old woman foolishness?' "'His face and his tone were darker now. "'Someone's got to watch the little ones, and they got chores and then studying "'if they wants to go back to that fancy school that's costing us every last pitch for their educating.' Constance and four parents lowered their heads. Their eyes were on the ground along with innocences. But Dorcas straightened her back and faced her grandson unflinchingly. Dust Isaac Pritchard, don't you try to show your granny how big a circle you can piss. Mr. Pritchard and his daughters all turned bright red. Dorcas Pritchard put her hands on her hips and continued to berate him. There's educating your girls won't get at no school and you know better than to call the crafter that gave you your wand old woman foolishness. Now are you fixing to make the grannies wait? Or perhaps you'd prefer me to tell Granny Ford that you've got a piece of your mind to share with her. Mr. Pritchard clapped his jaw shut. His eyes smoldered, and Constance and Forbearance, still with their heads bowed, glanced at one another fearfully. I can watch Whimsy and Dunn, Pa, Innocent said. Whimsy can help me with some of Connie and Forbearance's chores. She shot a look at Whimsy, who was opening her mouth to protest, and Whimsy closed her mouth, though her face swelled up as if she might explode. We'll do all our chores that's left when we get back, Paul, every last one, Constance said, speaking quickly into the sudden silence. And we'll study till sunup if we has to, Forbearance said. Dust Pritchard looked at his daughters and then at his grandmother, and let out an exasperated sigh. <sighs> Better do. Don't think I won't forbid humans to go frittering off to the woods if it means pigs don't get slapped and goats don't get milked. And you can tell Granny Ford I done said it. He addressed this last to Granny Pritchard who merely raised her eyes. "'Thank you, Pa,' Constance and Forbearance said together, unable to keep from beaming. He grunted. Just before he turned away from them and went inside, his expression softened. Constance and Forbearance almost tumbled down the steps toward Innocence. They both hugged her and kissed her on the cheek. "'Thank you, Innocence,' Constance said. "'Thank you,' Forbearance said. And then she tisked as she looked her younger sister over and reached up to straighten her bonnet. Innocence was dressed like a proper Ozarker girl once more, not the way she had been dressing during those last few months at Charmbridge. But she always managed to leave her bonnet just a little bit askew, always with a bit of curly blonde hair untucked and hanging visible beneath it. "'Why can't we come long?' asked Whimsy. "'Me too,' said Dunn, who clearly had no idea where they were going, but wanted to come anyway. "'We ain't going to pick posies,' said Granny Pritchard. "'Now stop that moping.' She produced her wand and wiggled it, and the air was filled with luminescent bubbles, gold and silver and blue, swirling around Whimsy and Dunn's heads. The little boy stumbled around in a circle laughing and trying to catch them, but they floated just out of his reach like living things. Whimsy more cleverly whipped her bonnet off of her head and swiped it through the air, trapping two in one pass. When they burst with tinkling, chiming sounds, there were two pieces of candy lying inside her bonnet. "'You share with your brother now.' Granny Pritchard said, while Dunn continued chasing the slow-moving but teasing bubbles. "'I wish I could go with you, Ince,' 
Innocent sat more quietly. You'd be terrible bored, forbearance said. The grannies mostly don't talk, and we can't let out a peep neither. Ain't no great works we's gonna see. It's all watching and trying to understand. But it's mysteries, Innocence whispered. Her voice was tinged with jealousy. Humans got chose to see mysteries. Innocence Catherine, her great-grandmother said, stepping closer and lowering her voice. There be all manner of mysteries in the world, and you don't need a gaggle of old women to show you them. Her sprightly manner was gone now, replaced with a grave tone and expression, as she looked into Innocence's eyes that seemed to find a mystery there where she was looking. Those whose eyes is open will see, she murmured, but it's not all wonders. Constance and forbearance has the neck, but they may not have the will. Constance and forbearance looked down uncomfortably. And you, child, you done seen more than you ought already. Also, you hain't got enough patience. Innocence pouted at that last, but she didn't argue, and with a somber expression she watched Granny Pritchard, Granny Morrison, and Constance and Forbearance walk away, gliding across the yard and into the woods. She sat down on the steps in front of the Pritchard homestead, and rested her chin in one hand, while she kept half an eye on her younger brother and sister, still chasing musical bubbles that burst into sweets, and half an eye on the woods where the grannies and her older sisters had gone. "'Innocence, whimsy stanching up all them!' Dunn wailed. Innocence rolled her eyes. She took her wand out of a pocket in her dress, and she pointed it at a little cluster of bubbles. She squinted, closing one eye while aiming her wand carefully, and said, "'Brag!' A bubble over Dunn's head burst and dropped a piece of candy on him. She grinned as Dunn caught the candy with a giggle and popped it into his mouth. Her expression changed abruptly. She squinted again, this time at the woods on the far side of the yard. Whimsy noticed her sister's expression, turned her hand to look over her shoulder where Innocence was staring, and then turned to look back at Innocence. "'What you say, Innocence?' she asked. Innocence frowned, confused, and looked back at Whimsy and Dunn. "'Weren't nothing. I snatched them bubbles for they's gone. Hurry up now, we ain't got chores.' "'I don't know why you can't do all of them. You got's a wand!' Whimsy was unable to hide her envy. Innocence wiggled her wand in front of her sister's face. Whimsy snatched at it, and Innocence laughed, holding it just out of her reach. "'You see if you can just magic all your chores away when you gets a wand,' she said. In the woods, the undergrowth shook again. A few low-hanging branches were pushed aside as if by a ghost, and if one were to look very closely with eyes that could see, one might have seen a black tail disappearing into the trees. For the full text of this and other stories, as well as news and updates about Alexandra Quick, visit inverarity.livejournal.com. For more information about this podcast, visit samgabrielvo.com slash alexandraquick. I am also easy to find on the Alexandra Quick subreddit and Discord server, where you can hear me record episodes live. Troublesome, composed by Dr. James Benighoff. Charmbridge, composed and performed by Tyler Parsons. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or whichever podcast service you prefer. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.